Hello and welcome to jasonnewland.com My name is Jason Newland This is Let Me Bore You To Sleep And please only listen to this when you can safely close your eyes Um so I'm sitting here at my desk. It's actually it's a table and this table used to be in my grandmother's flat and I inherited it from her. So, it's a very, very special table to me. It's a table that I'm going to hold on to for the rest of my life. Unless, of course, you know, there's a garden party outside and there's a bonfire and we run out of wood. Then I might chuck it on there but just to keep the bonfire going. But other than that... I'm going to keep this table for a long time. Unless I get a better table. Because there's not enough room in this flat for really more than one table. Because ideally I'd have like a big office desk. Because... This is where I do my work. My, I know some people, including family members, do not class this as work. But to me, this is the most important thing that I could be doing with my life. Unless I was like a doctor or a nurse or a fireman or Therapist, or I kind of am a therapist, or, or a milkman, or a postman, or driving a train, or putting plastic penguins into boxes. You know, this there are other more important things that maybe I could be doing with my time. But outside of that kind of stuff, I think this is a pretty good thing for me to be wasting my time on. Yeah. I've got to mention something, and it's it's not really relevant, but it is to me. And I might have mentioned this yesterday, but I have no idea what I said yesterday. I'm fortunate that I don't... I don't hold on to that stuff. Conversations, I do. So if I have a conversation with somebody, I'll forget about it. You know, it'll be kind of gone but it will be stored 
So if that person, for example, tells me that their first car was a Mini, and then four years later they tell me that their first car was a Ford Cortina, suddenly the old memory pops up. And it's like a spot the difference puzzle that you get in magazines and newspapers. So contradictions. For some reason, stimulate my brain to remember what has previously been said. Sometimes I mention it, sometimes I don't, sometimes there's no point, and sometimes when I do kind of point out the discrepancies in their story, I get told, oh, I didn't say that. Well, you know, last time, I didn't say that. I remember one thing my dad said to me. It wasn't just to me, it was to me, my brothers and sister at the dinner table, probably in the 90s. And he said, whatever you do, don't have kids. That was his advice. Uh, to have a happy life, don't have children. Which is probably not the best thing to say to your children, but... And I always remember it for that particular reason. Because it was so kind of outrageous, really. He may have said it in humour, but I don't know. And then I pointed out to him, probably about six, seven years ago, that he'd said that. And like, no, I never said that. So there you go. Yep, this is therapy for me. <laughs> right, the thing I was going to say is on Sunday I cleaned the carpet. You know, I kind of, uh, I didn't scrub it, but I, you know, washed it with a mop but you know with uh, soap and you know and I did two parts of the floor the bit, a bit in the living room and a bit near the front door and for the last two days the flat stinks absolutely stinks of like mould or kind of mouldiness which is coming from the carpet I can't I half feel like I just want to rip the carpet up and chuck it out the window but then I'd have to cut it up into little bits because it wouldn't fit through the window but you know I've 
leave. I've run out of it. Uh, yesterday, I sprayed deodorant onto the carpet in the hope that, that would sort it out. And it usually works on me. Didn't. And I had some uh, like what's it called? Oil. I'm trying to look to see where it is. I don't know where I put it. And it was uh, kind of like the oil that you put into oil burners. And it's Yang Yang, which is one of my favourite ones. I like tea tree. Um, but I used to use tea tree on spots and things like that, like blemishes, because it's a antiseptic, a natural antiseptic. And I did I did study aromatherapy for a while back in two thousand and three. tell you another one I really like and I didn't really understand this because uh, it's from you know the bible story um, even if it's a different you've got a different uh, you like uh, you read a different book you like different stories this this is probably one you've probably heard um, of you might not have done but I'll, I'll tell you it anyway but I'm not trying to convert you or anything from uh, whatever it is that's, you know, getting in the way of, of stuff. Um, I, there's this story where Jesus's parents, he was just uh, still in the womb. So he was still in the womb, and his parents were looking for a womb to st to stay in, in order to give birth, because they were fleeing Galileo or whatever. Um, anyway, the it's a long story. I won't go into it because um, I can't be bothered. I mean, that's even too boring for me to start telling you biblical stories. I mean, they're, they're lovely stories, but I don't. This doesn't seem the right place to really do that. But the point I'm trying to make is, where would I stop? You know, do I go through all of the world's stories? I have thought about that. I have thought that you know what, I've read the New Testament probably more than once. I've read parts of the Old Testament. My life, I said I'd read the whole thing. But I have read, you know, I was given an Old Testament Bible when I was about 10. And it was like proper old, you know, it's fallen apart. I mean, the only time I've ever seen uh, read material that was that. Um, you know that messed up and used was some of my magazine collections but well I say mine they were my brothers to start with I kept them in a cupboard 
my bedroom with all my other religious stuff. So I had this this Bible and I read a bit of it. I got a little bit kind of Bob Begat Susie Susie Begat bleh, 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 bleh. It just went on a little bit too long, you know, the the beginning. I think it needed a bit of editing, you know. Um, and I had a, the same kind of issue with Buddhist scriptures as well. Because I've read a lot of Buddhist scriptures over the years. A lot, lots and lots and lots. And it's like the Pali Canon. And it's, it's this big, huge collection of works that is... Is, is broken up into different sections but there's a lot of it is it's the Dharma which is the teachings of the Buddha but also there's teachings of teachers um, like uh, quite a few Ananda, Padmasambhava various different teachers some of which were disciples of the Buddha some of which were disciples of the disciples so it goes on and on But sometimes the the story that's being told it repeats. So, uh, for example, I don't have it at hand. I've got my my Buddhist book of uh, Buddhist teachings. It's only, it's not a big book, it's got a few hundred pages, but it's quite small. That's like nothing compared to the thousands and thousands of Pali Canon pages. So, and then baskets, they've got like different individual baskets, they're called, which breaks them up into categories. This, you know what, for people that don't know about Buddhism it might actually sound like I know what I'm talking about and yeah I do I'm very very clever but for those of you that do know about Buddhism probably thinking what's he on about he ain't got a clue and you're right I don't know what I'm talking about I'm just making it up so there's a lot of repetition a lot of repetition which I think in those days it's been explained to me it's because it was an oral it was it was they were being taught orally so there was a lot of repetition a lot of verbal repetition in order to memorise the teachings when I got the New Testament I was at school I was in I'd say I was in the first year of high school so I was about 11 
and the Gideons came in. Well, I don't know if it was a bunch of people, just one person, but they talked about the Gideon Bible and I can't remember what he talked about, to be honest. I was too busy trying to get chewing gum out of my hair. But at the end of it, they handed out Gideon Bibles. And there was a red Gideon Bible. I actually got one. Uh, it's not the same one, but I've got one, like a one that I got recently, the last few years. And I love this little book. I don't know why. I just loved it. I like free things. That's nice. It's just nice to get free stuff, especially when you don't know you're going to get it. You know, I think the best meal in a restaurant I could ever have would be at the end the waitress says no charge it's on the house it's free and you know it wouldn't have even bothered if they'd given me dog meat on a plate covered in custard cold custard if it's free it's like oh wow I was going to complain and report you to the health standard of your horror to you or whatever. But wow, now I love you because it's free. So I do like free stuff. And I was intrigued about this Bible. I suppose because it was so little. And I was little. I was probably, I don't know, out of the whole school, I was probably equal to maybe two other people as being the littlest in the school. Out of however hundreds of people there was, hundreds of children. The headmaster was only three foot tall, but that was okay because I could still look up to him. I know something about having a head teacher, being able to tap them on the head. I think it gives more of a, a sense of trust and respect. I can always respect someone more if I can just pat them on the head give them a lump of sugar I don't know why that is so I had this little bible this little red Gideon's New Testament bible and perhaps I should point well I don't have to point it out but I will when I was little I mean in age a lot younger um I was living in a children's home run by Catholic nuns and 
so I and I went to a Catholic school. So basically, Catholicism was my entire life for those years that I was there. And I had a church in my garden. Can you believe it? A church in the garden. And there's also, I think there was a, uh, like a, a passageway through the house into the church. I'm just going just gonna to close my tablet because I'm not using it. I was going to maybe use it, but I haven't. So I'll just... I'm not going to use it then. But yeah, so I lived in this place. It's called Nazareth House, as in Nazareth of Galilee. No? Is it Nazareth of Galilee? Nazareth, that's where Jesus was born, I think. And or was it Blackpool? It might have been Texas. It definitely wasn't Canada. Yeah, I forget. But that was the name. It was the place was called Nazareth House, and there was lots of them worldwide. You know, not just uh, in England, but in Scotland, in Ireland, in Wales. In Ireland, I think I said that, and England, and in Australia, I think there was some in Canada. There may have been some in America. I'm not sure. And so, it was, you know, it's a big operation. And I lived in two children's homes. So one in, was in Newcastle. And that was Nazareth House in Newcastle. And then I moved to Southend. Which is... So Newcastle is up like the northeast of the country. And South uh, Southend is in the southeast of the country. And Southend had... A beach well, it still does and uh, yeah the, <laughs> the sea hasn't gone anywhere it's still there I actually dated someone from Southend when I was 35 and it's really weird because well you know a female liked me so that was that was strange, but then it was kind of unusual going back to South End, as I hadn't lived there since nineteen seventy seven, which is quite a long time. Especially if you're waiting for a bus. So. I actually did. I did go there in 1991. And 1996. 
the first time I went in 1991 I was living in London and I thought you know what I'm going to go and visit Nazareth House in Southend and I think it was a Saturday so I just went up there got the, got the train and the train to Southend is pretty easy pretty simple journey doesn't it wasn't that long, about 40 minutes on a train, I do believe. Maybe longer, but not long, long. Although I did go to Southend another time with a Spanish lady that I was semi-dating. And uh, that was in 1994. So I went on to, yeah, I went on to the pier with three different ladies, one in 1994, that was a Spanish lady called Marta, and then there was, what's her name, in 1996, and then there was the other one in 2008. Six. So in 1991, I just went on my own. I'm not sure if I had a girlfriend at that time, but I did eventually. I had, uh, I would say, probably my first proper girlfriend in 1991. I had had girlfriends, but this was kind of like my first real, like, uh, adult relationship, where I went out on dates and I don't know, fell in love or whatever that stuff, and I met her because I was working in a kitchen. It was in a bakery, a big, huge bakery, and I was working there from, I don't know what time, probably seven or eight o'clock in the morning until, well, just like standard eight hours a day, and it was Monday to Friday. Pretty sure though, I'm pretty sure that sometimes I'd go in on a Saturday as well for the lunchtime or the breakfast lunchtime, but that might have been overtime or on a rotor. I forget. I should correct myself. I don't care. I don't care what, what, what it's. I don't really don't remember, to be fair. But I do remember walking 
into work because Saturdays was an early start and so there was no buses so I had to walk all the way from Stratford all the way to um, where was it? Walthamstow long walk long 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 it's pretty good about an hour to walk there but there was no buses there was nothing like during the day in a week I'd get a bus in but for some reason or was it a Sunday maybe there was no buses because it was a Sunday or maybe there was buses only so far but no further I just recall a meeting with one of my co-workers who also worked there and we walked up past Lee Bridge Road I think it is and crossed it and then walked up to Walthamstow where the massive bakery was I'm not sure if it's still there but it was there a long time ago I mean, you know, we're coming up to 30 years, nearly, aren't we? What is it now? 1999? No. 2019, 2019. So, 2021 will be... That's over 14 years. So, I remember, yeah, so... Yeah, we walked up there and it wasn't a bad job really, you know. It was hard work, but you know, jobs are supposed to be, so I didn't have any problems with that. And it's basically just getting all the food prepared, cooking it, serving the breakfast so that you know, on a daily basis get in on a Monday prepare the place prepare not the place we didn't unless it was a, a fish day and we would serve fish but I don't recall ever serving place but I used to serve place when I worked at a chip shop and that's a real the thing is with place is there's a skill there's a knack to putting it into the fryer and having it come out flat and it takes it took me a while to learn to learn it because you're basically if I remember correctly unlike all the other fish where you just plonk it in with place you've got to kind of put it in then pull it around and kind of let it float the other side and do that until it's flat and your fingers are like really close to the oil, but obviously not in the oil, otherwise that would uh, that'd be fish fingers, wouldn't it? Oh dear. And then you let it go just at the exact right time, and it's flat. But if it's not done at the right time, it curls, curls up. And it makes no difference to the taste. 
you know, it's still the same, but people like it to be flat, I guess. So I did, um, we had this system where we just, I don't know how many people were working with me, there's one, there was a chef, and he was more just telling us all what to do, and you know, I got on really well with him, and he taught me to do stuff that he, which was his job. So, um, for example, the stuff that we, I would normally do would just be putting the sausages in the oven, um, getting the beans ready, just basic stuff to get them served into the hot tub containers, the metal containers, and then to put them out ready for serving. And that was for the breakfast. And then we would make the eggs, fry the eggs as as they were asked, you know, kind of had them on the go at the same time and we wasted loads. But that's just the way it was, but and I got a little bit bored with just doing the same thing every day. And I said to him, why don't you just kind of help you to do some of that stuff? So he said, well, you can help with the vegetable preparation and, you know, because he used to cook meals like big uh, lasagnas, uh, curries and all that stuff. And I said, why, why don't you just teach me how to do it or teach me how he wanted me to do it and then I just do it. So he had less to do. It wasn't for that, it's just, it's just so that I, I had something to do because there was a bit more interesting. So, plus I'd done catering before. I went to catering college for a year when I was 16. But I hadn't really been that hands-on to make food for hundreds of people. Because uh, it was a big canteen, a lot of people to be served. They had probably about four or five hundred people working there, maybe more. Because it was a 24 hour operation. So I did eat My boss, the chef, taught me how to make lasagnas. But they were big lasagnas, you know, they weren't just like little lasagnas, they were massive. And had to make a few of them. Some of them were vegetarian. Um, some of them were, you know, different, like halal even, I think they had different kind of... Because this was in, I said, in East London, so there was a lot of uh, different food requirements for the staff. So it was, uh, it was interesting in some ways it wasn't challenging uh, apart from the serving time I'd 
bearing in mind I'd spent two years serving fish and chips in a chip shop that was very busy, you know, I'd also worked in a pub that was very busy. I was not really too bothered about serving people. I'd also worked in a uh, in a supermarket which was very busy. So I'm kind of used to having that queue of people frustrated at how slow I am. You know, that's just, just the way it is. But these people, some of them were so rude to me. And I didn't really understand it until I, because I ended up working in the actual bakery itself. I got made redundant from the the catering part okay, that got took over by a an agency and I remember working really like 16 hour shifts and then waiting to, to get food and just seeing my lunch break going dripping away really quickly because of how slowly the person was working behind the counter. So I kind of get a, got a little bit of a taste of my own medicine, I think, on that one. But, uh, it needs to be funny, really, because they were always waiting there when it's breakfast time. As soon, one second after the time that it was supposed to be ready to serve they'd be banging on the on the metal thing so it was like a shutter they'd be banging on it like shouting out stuff at me and it was quite funny because some of the people that were rude actually ended up being my friends they they realised that and it's something that I've known for a long time. It's such an obvious thing. Don't upset the person that's feeding you. Even if you're paying for it, don't, don't upset them. Because it's not that I'd do anything dodgy, but I will definitely take my time with them. I'd go even slower. I'd put the beans on individually. The baked beans. Like, so how many? You want one? How many baked beans would you like? How many sausages? What? One, two. Eventually, they kind of came round to my way of thinking. And I got on with, well with everybody, especially with the managers of the bakery. For some reason, and I don't know why, because I was very cheeky, very rude, and, well not rude, but just outspoken maybe a bit, yeah rude probably, but cheeky I would say, and they seemed to like it, because the managers was two brothers, there was the overall manager of the, the place, and his brother was like second in charge and yeah they just I even remember the names which is funny it's 
little bit weird um, and their sister worked in the accounts department I think and me and her got on really well and we spent quite a few break times together like having lunch and just chatting and I don't know why we just got on really well and what was really strange this is totally true she there was something I, I kind of had a some yeah I, I, I couldn't work for a few weeks well I kind of went AWOL for not a few weeks probably about a week and then I came back and I didn't have a job because you can't just take off like that which I, I accepted it's like okay fair enough but I had to go in there and collect my wages for the you know the back pay and my P45 and on the way in or on the way out I don't remember I saw that lady there the, the boss's sister and she stopped and started chatting to me and that's really not strange but she said to me she said, you know, if I wasn't seeing somebody, I would, I so would be with you. She told me that she really liked me, really fancied me, and you know, if she wasn't seeing somebody, then she'd, I was like, wow. So it's quite strange, it's like bittersweet. It's, on one level, I was collecting my, you know, my last pay salary or pay, you know, weekly pay and I didn't have a job. But on the other side, thankfully she was seeing somebody so I didn't have to date her. <laughs> no. In fact, you know, it's like, it was like kind of a compliment really that she just said that. Um, I was like, oh, oh, okay, thank you. I'm blushing See, what I should have said is, well, if you really like me, can you please butter up your brothers and get me my job back? But I didn't kind of think that far ahead, I don't think, at the time. Um, but yeah, my girlfriend, who I'd split up with just before that, that time, that was kind of part of the reason I was off work. Anyway, I met her and she was an agency worker because we constantly had people taking time off work. So, you know, every every three or four days we'd have an agency worker in and they were limited to what they could do because they didn't know the job. So they'd just like be doing the washing up and uh, cleaning and, you know, and if they'd been a few times, then maybe they could like serve and do some of the other stuff. But to be fair, anybody that's not been there before, they're still quicker than me at serving. I kind of like to think, you know, I've never got one tip, you know. 
apparently, according to my boss, getting a wage is enough. But it was quite low money. It was quite... There was no minimum wage back then. There is now. It's about eight pounds something. An hour. Not a week. That would be weird. Um, but it's eight pounds twenty an hour. Something like that. But back in 1991, there was no minimum wage. So I, I had jobs that were sometimes £1.90 an hour. And this job I had at the bakery was... It was more than that. But I still probably wasn't taking home much more than a hundred pound a week, maybe a hundred and twenty. But I, I wasn't that bothered about the money. You know, I had a job, I could pay my rent, and then I could go out at night, maybe not every night, but quite regularly, I could go out at night and do comedy gigs. So I had enough money to get me around traveling and back then, travelling was a lot cheaper. And you may say, of course it was, it's nearly 30 years ago. But it's not just that, it's just, it was a lot cheaper. Compared to now, it's not, it's quite expensive to, to have a day pass to travel on the tube around London. You know, it used to be really, really really manageable now I'd, I'd, I think I'd struggle a bit if I was there all the time paying like £12 or whatever it is just for a day a day travel card just seems a lot of money and so it was quite a good job in that sense that I had my evenings free and my weekends free, mainly, apart from when I did the odd shift. But then what happened, okay, I'll come to that in a minute. I met this, this girl called uh, Cherry, Cherry Ann, her name was. And she was from Trinidad. And she had, I mean, she literally had just moved to London, probably for a few months maybe even like six weeks or something and she it's quite weird because I just felt an attraction to her I felt a like a closeness like I'm not even sure what it was. It was a mixture of different things. And we seemed to get on okay. And also, I know I talk about me being slow. Like, yeah, I talk slowly, I walk slowly. Back then, I had a little bit more oomph in me. And 
was a bit more wired. A bit more, very kind of up and down, very, you know, uh, but quite fast at times, really fast. And then other times really, I suppose quite excitable at times. But what I found with her is I felt relaxed with her. And I didn't really feel relaxed at all at that time. You know, ever. So it was just to feel relaxed with her. I felt nice. It was like, oh, she's got superpowers. She can relax me. Well, I asked her out for a date. And she said yes. So I, I don't think I even took a telephone number or gave her mine. And there was no mobile phones at that time. It was just landline, which was, it's amazing that anybody got together and procreated without mobiles, just landlines, the amount of faffing around involved. Anyway, I arranged to meet her at Liverpool Street Station. I think it was probably Saturday evening. Maybe seven o'clock, just as an example. So I went there and she didn't turn up. And some bloke was standing there as well. He's a, I got chatting to him and he, he said, yeah, he said, I don't think she's turning up. I said, no, I'm sure she is, just running late. You know, maybe getting a bus and start instead, you know, it's, Maybe there's a train issue or, I don't know, it could be a mixture of things. And she said, well, she, she said to me, well, she could at least text you to let you know that she was going to be running late. And I said, mobile phones haven't been invented yet. He said, oh, I forgot, sorry. He said, I said, it's okay, don't worry. And, uh, we held hands, had a little bit of a cuddle, and uh, you know, waited for my date, who never showed up. So I just was a little bit, well, how anybody would be, I suppose, in that situation. I didn't skip home, you know, I wasn't like singing at the top of my voice, a nice, you know, Beatles melody. And I thought, well, that's that. Never mind. And then going to work Monday, Tuesday, and then Wednesday. Who do I see standing at the sink? It's my boss. He was washing his hands. And I said, all right, boss. He said, yeah. 
So you look, look upset. What's wrong? He said, oh, Tina hasn't turned up again. He says she fell over in the shower. How can you keep falling over in the shower? I said, I don't know. I've, I fell over in the shower and, and broke my wrist. When was that? Well, it's about 2014. He said, it's 1991. How can you have fallen over the shower in the future? I said, I keep forgetting. We were talking about the past. Okay, I'm back. 1991, I'm here. He said, yeah. I said, oh, okay. So I've got to get another agency worker coming. And uh, in she came and it was Cherry Ann, my dumpy or dumper. And the fur, you could see that she was embarrassed. I mean, she knew she was coming there. She didn't have to come. She could have sort of said, no, or can you send me somewhere else? But, and she just apologized to me, said, oh, sorry about that. I wasn't able to get there. And uh, unfortunately, my battery on my mobile had run out on my mobile phone. I said, there is no mobile phones. And she said, oh, I keep forgetting we need to get this straight. It's like 1991. She said, okay. She was older than me. She was about 23 or 24. And I was 20. She might have been 22. She was older anyway. Not by much. And uh, she said, and it was her idea. So I said, don't worry. I was just going to leave it there. You know? Yeah, don't worry. We've got to work together for the next seven hours, so we might as well just get on and do the job. And she said, well, we can, we can go out this weekend if you like. And I said, uh, I think I said yes, very quickly. Yes, please, yes, please. So we did, we started dating and went to the different, because she was from Trinidad, I thought I'd show her around London and do the sights. Because when I was a child, I got to see the sights of London. And like Madame Tussauds, Tower of London, Wax Museum, uh, Trafalgar Square, the Palace, and I don't know, some lamppost, you know, just the, the things, the places. And so I thought, the Tower of London, yeah, so I thought, I'll, I'll show her and the sights, which I did. So I took her around places, took her to comedy clubs, went take her, but I went with her. I led the way because I knew where they were and yeah it didn't I mean it wasn't like a massive long relationship but it was it was the longest one I ever had up to that time because you know I mean I've had relationships that lasted less than 30 minutes So, you know, it's, uh, 
I she was so slow when she did things I remember we went to the cinema and she went to the toilet so I'm waiting outside the toilet and I think you know the end credits were coming onto the movie screen when we got inside the movie she took that long it's like what was she doing in there honestly I'd like was she knitting a cardigan for an elephant I mean she must have been doing something some massive task to have taken so long so it's you know but she was very relaxing and she was a trainee nurse she was a student nurse and she that's why she came to London to become a nurse and then she moved to another part of the country when her nursing studies began so I visited her but it was a bit more less often so I started dating her probably February, March, February time. And then it was the summer, end of the summer when it finished. Probably maybe August, possibly September. But I've dated a few nurses, which is a bit strange, I don't know why. Not, I don't know why it's strange, but I don't know why I've, because I've had, uh, had, I've, I didn't finish the sentence, I've had relationships-ish with, um, who was the first nurse? That was her, yeah, she was the first one, then I dated a nurse in 1996 then I kind of had a nursey nurse I had a an interaction or like a kind of dating for a short time in 97 then about 2001 or 2000 I dated a nurse no 1998 I dated a nurse she was a student nurse as well so were the other two so three out of four were student nurses and then in 2001 I dated a nurse it was the end of 2000 
and she was a qualified nurse so she was working at some hospital in London so that's five and then in 2004 I dated a for a short time I dated a nurse it was actually a blind date and uh, yeah that was it so that's six six nurses it's not even that I've got a thing for nurses it just just kind of happened you know not sure how I got onto the subject of nurses I'm just trying to think must be a reason I got onto the subject of nurses hmm. probably the one that lasted the longest was the one I dated in 1996 sure if I've dated any nurses since then I dated a former nurse so she was still qualified but she just wasn't working as a nurse and that was in 2005 so I don't know if that counts but she she basically was bringing up children so she uh, she was raising young children so she stopped nursing for a bit but she was qualified as a nurse what other ones no I think that's it that's seven if you include cause I suppose if you're a nurse and you're qualified and you're not working in that environment at the moment but you're going to go back to it and you can go back to it because you're qualified then you're still a nurse yeah oh well I'm going to go now take care speak to you next time